Fruit grows because it's connected to the tree. So what must we do to grow spiritually? Jesus' answer is surprising. He said, people who remain in me and I in them are the ones who bear plenty of fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. Our growth doesn't come from our efforts. It isn't accomplished through our actions. Like an apple that receives from the tree, our spiritual growth is not achieved, it is received. When my wife and I moved into our home uh, a few years ago, we had this vision of having an apple tree in our backyard. So I planted this apple tree, and first year, flowers, but no fruit. And then my neighbor explains to me, well, you need two apple trees because the bees have to pollinate the, the tree. So we added a second apple tree, and in year two, we had more flowers, but still no fruit. In year three, flowers, but no fruit. So I'm frustrated with this tree, but I'm still trying to take care of it. And so later that year, some weeds had grown up around the tree, and I, I went up on the hill that the tree kind of sits up on a hill a little bit. I knelt down and was pulling some weeds up. And then as I went to stand up, I just, I reached out to use the trunk of the tree to just ever so slightly help me up. And as I did, like a cartoon, the entire tree comes out of the ground. <laughs> so I realized the reason that this tree has no fruit is the tree has no root. Roots are really important. In order for a tree to achieve fruit, it has to receive nutrients from its roots. The next two weekends, I'm not preaching to you as the executive teaching pastor. That's the role that I've held here at Wooddale Church. But instead, I'm speaking to you as the senior pastor candidate. And uh, that is, uh, thank you. Uh, Dan, they didn't clap first hour, so let's make sure that they, just kidding. Uh, but listen, well, here's what I want to do. Uh, I, I want to share with you this weekend just my heart. I want to let you know why I believe God's called me to this position and why I, I desire th this role. And then next weekend, I want to share with you maybe just a little bit of a vision of what I believe God is inviting us to potentially step into uh, for our future as a church. And both of these messages have roots in common because it's all about what it is we receive from Christ. I'm convinced that God is far less interested in what it is we can achieve for him, and he is far more interested in what it is we can receive from him. And so that's why this series is called Receive Over Achieve. That brings up an interesting question, doesn't it? How is it that we receive from God? And to answer that question, we're going to turn today to Luke chapter 10. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 38. And if you uh, need a Bible in front of you, uh, there are some in the pew back here at our Eden Prairie campus. And it's found on, found on page 1582, 1582 of that blue uh, Bible in the pew back. And for those of you that are joining us online, uh, great to have you with us. And we want to invite you to have a scriptures open as well. How do we receive from God? Starting in verse 38 of Luke 10, here's what Luke writes. He says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What on earth did Jesus mean by that? You know, I, I love this story, and one of the reasons that I love this story is because it's so ordinary. This scene that's being described of Middle Eastern hospitality was played out almost every single day in this culture. And, and actually, to this day, Middle Eastern hospitality is still played out in this way, where when someone comes into your home, you're expected to take good care of them and make sure that all the preparations are, are there. Uh, hospitality is, is a really big thing, but it's just commonplace. It's just routine. It's ordinary. It's mundane. It is it is the day-to-day -day life that is being described in this scene. This is not one of these epic stories of the Bible. This is not David and Goliath or Joshua crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land. It's just ordinary life. And that's why I love it. Because it's in the midst of this ordinary moment that Jesus offers something that is extraordinary. And he still does. In the midst of our everyday, routine, mundane life, Jesus invites us to something that will transform us. But often we miss it. And often we miss it because we're too consumed with what it is we think we need to be about. Actually, throughout the years of interpreted history, uh, how the church has long interpreted passage of scriptures, uh, there have been times that, that, that we've missed actually the meaning of this story. Uh, there's a way of approaching scripture that was popular, certainly in the middle, uh, evil, uh, mid medieval era, and it was more of an allegory. And so at times, people have interpreted this story of Martha and Mary as an allegory between the secular world and the sacred world. So the, the, the idea behind this was that Martha represented all things secular. She represented business and industry and maybe education and, and hobbies and pursuits and anything that we could do with our time that wasn't involved directly with God. But Mary represented the sacred. She represented the world of monks and priests and scholars and maybe we would say in our day missionaries. And that this is an invitation to leave the secular world and come over to the sacred world. And I will tell you, that is not a good interpretation of this passage. It's not good because that's not what the text says at all, and the second reason is because I've lived that, and I will tell you, that's not what this is about. What we see happening with Martha happens to all of us. And again, I know that from my own personal experience. For those of you that aren't familiar with, with my call to ministry, pastoral ministry, uh, it is a non-traditional path for me into the role of a pastor. I actually spent 10 years uh, in the, what you might call the secular world and in industry, uh, seven of those doing management consulting. And so being here as, as a pastor is, is a route that uh, is, just, is just not a normal path that most people walk. 
Really, my, my call to ministry, I think, goes all the way back to my middle school days. Because it was in middle school, I was raised in, in, in a home that loves Jesus, and my parents taught me about uh, the importance of Scripture and about the church. And so my heart and my, my love for Scripture really started to grow, even as a middle school student. And it was there that I just had this innate sense that I was called to ministry. So I just assumed that I was always just going to be a pastor. But then somewhere toward the end of high school and the first couple years of college, I, I didn't walk away from my faith, but I had a season where I was not really following Jesus in the way that I should have been following Jesus. Certainly in, in certain areas of my life, and really I was just kind of focused on me. And then toward the end of college, God had, had kind of gotten a hold of me in, in some areas of my, of my life, and, and there, was that, there was that hope and, and that thought about, maybe I am being called to be a pastor. And so to help me kind of process through that, I, I set up a meeting with the pastor of the church that my family and I had attended when I was in middle school and high school. His name was John, so I, I met with Pastor John, and I explained my story to him and kind of walked through, he knew me, and, and so I said, so John, I think I might be called to ministry, what do you think? I'll never forget his answer. He looked at me and he said, Kyle, if you can do anything else in life, do it. <laughs> I thought... Well, this guy knows me. I mean, I, I led Bible studies when I was at that church. I actually filled in for him as a high school student and preached a sermon one Sunday. So I was like, if this guy doesn't think that I'd be a good pastor, that must not be for me. And so I made a decision in that moment that I would go full in and pursue a career. So I got into graduate school. I started working at a company uh, and, and just was like all in on building a career. Now, Steph and I were just about ready to get married. We got married right after we graduated college, and uh, we moved back here to the Twin Cities. And so the first weekend after we're married, we're like, we need to be in a good church, a church that believes in God's word and is doing good work. And, and, uh, and so the very first church that we came to right as a married couple was here at Wooddale Church. It's the very first church we walked into almost over 18 years ago, and we have not been anywhere since. And we spent the first nine years here at this church being like many of you, we were members, we were super volunteers, we like anything you need, we're there, we signed up for everything, we got to know a lot of the pastors, because we love the church, I love the church. I just couldn't get enough of being involved in the church, but I felt like I had to build this career, and so I was off kind of building that career, and every couple of years in the midst of that career, there'd be an opportunity that would present itself that maybe I could move into ministry but the situation never felt right, or the timing was never right. Actually, it was actually in 2008, I had a conversation with Wooddale's then senior pastor, Leif Anderson, about joining the pastoral staff here at Wooddale. And again, the timing just didn't seem right. And then 10 years ago this December, I had a week. On Monday of this week, I was invited by the firm that I worked for to buy into management stock. And that is like a seven to 10 year all in thing. That was on Monday. And so Steph and I were, were kind of wrestling with, with that decision and, and do we make that, that huge financial investment and just kind of go all in with this career. And then on Wednesday, I had this meeting with the new senior pastor at Wooddale Church, Dale Hummel. And a bunch of my friends that were pastors were saying, hey, like you, you need to meet with Dale and he wants to talk to you and I had no idea what about. And so I, I had this meeting on Wednesday with him, and I sat down at, uh, at lunch, and I don't even have my jacket off yet. I mean, I'm, I just, just sat down at the table, and he goes, uh, Kyle, I wanted to meet with you to see if you'd quit your job and join ministry. <laughs> that was the week. 
And so long story medium, uh, I spent about six months having conversations with uh, several people on staff and, and with the board, and eventually the board did call, uh, and we accepted that call. That I quit my job and, and moved into ministry here at Wooddale Church. That was almost 10 years ago. And my first job was to be at our Idana campus, where I was the campus pastor, and finished my doctorate while I was there, started seminary, and then once that got done, I moved over here to be the executive pastor, and now the executive teaching pastor here at Wooddale Church. And so someone could hear that story, and they go, oh, okay, so Kyle, you were like in the world of Martha, and then you stepped out of that, and then you kind of became in the world of Mary, and I would say to you, no, I have always been a Martha, and I'm still struggling with Martha tendencies as a pastor. Because the issue that Martha was wrestling with had nothing to do with occupation, and it has everything to do with orientation. Martha suffered from what many of us suffer from, and that is an achievement orientation. We have this innate sense that if it is to be, it is up to me that we need to accomplish certain things, that we need to achieve certain things, that there are certain expectations that people have of us that we need to fulfill and that we need to pursue those, and it's often that achievement orientation that causes us to miss what Jesus is inviting us to receive from him in the midst of our normal everyday life. So how do you know? How do you know if you suffer from what Martha suffered from? How do you know if you have that achievement orientation in your nature? Well, this this passage gives us three major clues uh, about how we may have that achievement orientation, and and it begins in verse 40. Luke says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And that's the first sign that we might have an achievement orientation is that we are distracted. Often our souls can become distracted by all of the things that there are to do or all the accomplishments that we want to achieve, that we get distracted by them. What I mean by that is is that our mind drifts toward those things. Like when when you just have a quiet moment and, and you're not thinking about anything else, what is it that your mind goes to? Oftentimes it'll just go to these things that we need to accomplish, these things that we need to achieve, this project that I'm working for, this thing that I can kinda get a little bit obsessed about. And for Martha, what it is that she was drawn toward, what she was distracted toward, wasn't anything wrong. She was actually serving Jesus. It was a form of ministry for her. But what she was distracted by was these cultural expectations that were put on her that when you host a rabbi in your home, you better do it right. And so Martha didn't want to look bad. She didn't want to fail all these expectations that were being placed on her either by her own mind or her own perception or maybe other people. And and so she felt like, I need to get this done. And and she had that distracted nature that oftentimes we have that's like, okay, once I just get through this week, once I just get through this season, once that project's done at work, once we sell the house, once the kids go to college, once this thing finally happens, once we can retire, once we, once we get to whatever it is that we're pursuing, then, ah, oh, then, then we'll have rest, then it'll work, then I'll be able to take time, then we can move into what's next. We're distracted because we're looking at whatever those things are as the thing that's gonna bring fulfillment and satisfaction for us. So we miss what Jesus may be inviting us into. 
And often that distraction will lead to the second sign that we might have an achievement-orientated nature, and that's that we become distressed. Distress is the, is the second sign, and we see it at the end of verse 40. So Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? We're distressed when we pray those, Lord, don't you care prayers. You ever prayed one of those? Like, Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care that I get this job? Lord, don't you care that I make varsity? Lord, don't you care that I get a good grade in this class? Lord, don't you care that that I'm accepted by a friend group? Lord, don't you care that I'm married? Don't you care that we have kids? Lord, don't you care that we retire? Lord, don't you care? And see, what we do is we see this thing that we're convinced is the thing that's going to help us, that's going to bring that fulfillment and that that sense of significance. And then we look at God and we go, I know you're capable of of giving this to me. You're all powerful. You're sovereign. I don't understand why you can't just help me get this thing that I'm so desperate for. And in the midst of it, we become distressed. And we can't understand why God won't answer that prayer or he won't do it or his timing is different and we're just rattled. You're distressed. It may be a sign that you have an achievement-orientated nature. And often that distress will build into the final sign that we're achievement-oriented, and that's when we become demanding. The end of verse 40, Martha looks at Jesus and says of her sister, Tell her to help me. Often that distress that we face when we're, we're trying to achieve certain things can, can bubble over into being demanding. Oftentimes we're demanding of other people. We might even be demanding of God. And hey, why don't you give this to me? God, just do it. Just tell me. Just help me. Or, or most of the time we become demanding toward ourselves. Well, if you were better, if you just work harder, should have done this, should have done that, can be demanding. Which is just interesting, isn't it, that, that Martha is demanding toward Jesus? I mean, think, think about this. Jesus recently had just multiplied loaves of bread and fish. Like, if the guy needed food for his meeting, he could have provided it. Right? And she's in here demanding that she get a little help in the kitchen. I mean, it's just like, she's, she's kind of not thinking this all the way through. Which, come on, is so often a, true of you and me. So how does Jesus respond to this distracted and distressed and quite demanding woman? Verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha. Walter Kim was, was here a few weeks ago, and he was teaching us that anytime you see in Scripture God repeat a name twice, it's not God being condemning, it's God being compassionate. It's God drawing that person in and, and trying to get their attention, which is what Jesus is trying to do with Martha. He's trying to get her di- attention from all the things that are distracting her. And we, we see this throughout Scripture. When, when God calls Moses, he says, Moses, Moses. 
right? or, or the prophet Samuel, Samuel, or Jesus. In Scripture, he looks over the city that he loves and says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And here he, he looks at this woman who is demanding things from him, and he just says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Is that true for you? Man, that's true for me. Worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. And he says, Mary has chosen the better, and it will not be taken from her. So what did Mary choose? Well, the passage opens by telling us that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when you first read this story, at least for me when I read this story, and, and given the fact that I have like a Martha mindset, and I see that Martha is working super hard in the kitchen, and she's slaving away and trying to do all these things, and Mary is just sitting there, I mean, honestly, like Mary strikes me as a little lazy, <laughs> right? Because I have this Martha mindset. When you understand the context of that passage, though, and, and the phrase that Luke uses, she's not being lazy at all. That, that phrase, sitting at Jesus' feet, is a phrase that uh, was one that described not a physical location, but, but actually a relational location. Uh, she was being described as somebody who was learning from Jesus. And that, that phrase, to sit at someone's feet, in reference to a rabbi or a teacher, was always spoken about somebody who was accepted to be a disciple of a rabbi, a student of a teacher. It was, it was like a formal mentoring type of a relationship. And that phrase, in, in this time period, Second Temple Judaism, is almost always and exclusively reserved for men. So what Mary is doing tells us something about Jesus and how he says, anyone who wants to follow me, but it also tells us something about following Jesus. Because what Mary is doing is very counter-culture. Martha is trying to meet all those cultural expectations, and Mary is breaking them. Which means when we follow Jesus, we need to be prepared that we may not meet the expectations that other people have of us. Because we follow a different leader. So what was she doing as she was learning from Jesus, as she was sitting at his feet? Well, the text simply says that she was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening. She was listening. And so often, what Mary was doing is what you and I miss. Because we're so busy, we're so focused, so on to this next thing that we don't take time to listen. Listening is an act of receiving. When you sit down and you listen to someone, you are receiving from them. Not only are you receiving sound waves, you're receiving information, but you are receiving relationally. When you really listen to someone, you're receiving that person. 
You're receiving what they're telling you, but you're receiving them, their nature, their character, their values, their, their, their emotions, their fears, their concerns, their joys. You're receiving that in. That's what Mary is doing. She's sitting there and she's receiving from Jesus. She's not just learning knowledge. She's learning Jesus. She's receiving him. And it's impacting her. It's, it's changing her. And whenever Scripture speaks about listen, it doesn't just mean that you hear. It means that you listen and you obey, that you respond to what you're receiving. And, and Luke is, is making such an important point for us that Mary was listening, that she was doing what, what actually Jesus and, and God wanted, that God the Father wanted to have happen. Because Luke, in, in, in chapter 9, kind of sets us up for this. So there's two little scenes that, that Luke gives to us in chapter 9, right before we get to the story of Mary and Martha, that, that helps to point out that there's something significant about what Mary is doing. The first comes to us in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 35. This scene is one of those epics of Scripture. It's uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. So this is when Peter and, and James and John are with Jesus, and they're up on this mountain, and in this moment, Jesus, can you imagine, is transformed in their presence. He becomes in his glorified state. And then the supernatural happens. Moses and Elijah show up, and they start having a conversation. And Peter, like, can't figure out what's going on. This is, like, an amazing moment. And in the midst of this, this epic supernatural experience, God the Father from heaven speaks audibly. Okay, this is like a moment. And here's what the Father speaks Verse 35, a voice came from the clouds saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. That's it. Listen to him. It's like God the Father is saying, here's what matters most. Listen to Jesus. And then in verse 44, another scene, Jesus is, is trying to explain to his disciples yet again that he's going to have to die. And they're not getting it. And so in verse 44, here's what happens. Jesus says, listen carefully. Like, listen. Like, to his disciples, listen. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. Verse 45, but they did not understand what this meant. And the reason they didn't understand what it meant is that they heard Jesus, but they didn't listen to him. They heard him because they were hearing him through their filter of this achievement orientation. It's like, hey, we got things we need to accomplish. Jesus, you can help us with that. We, we need to reestablish uh, Israel's reign. We need to kick out the, the Romans. We, we, need to, we need to establish your kingdom. And then I need to figure out what position I'm going to have in your kingdom. Am I going to be like vice president or secretary? Or like, how, how am I going to, I need to, am, am I, where am I in line? And, and they're, they're focused on all the wrong things. And so they hear the words of Jesus, but they're not listening to him. And they totally missed what Jesus was trying to communicate to them. They all missed it, except for one disciple, Mary. Mary got it. Because there's an amazing scene that happens in John chapter 12 that lets us know that Mary understood something the rest of them missed. Let me just read this to you. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Sounds familiar, right? Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, 
an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who would later betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And here, Jesus does not say, Judas, Judas. Because he knows his heart. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Now, I don't know what Mary knew, but she knew something because she listened. I'm convinced that Jesus has things that he wants to communicate to you and me. He just wants us to listen. So often we can be so consumed about these things that distract us and that that are causing distress in our life and that we become demanding about that, that we miss what Jesus is inviting us to receive from him. And oftentimes it's when we have those demanding and distressing moments that we finally come to the end of ourself and we're finally willing to listen. And that's true for me. Because it was 10 years ago when I was faced with this decision about do I go all in with this career that I was building or, or, or do I take this, this opportunity to step on into the, the pastoral ministry here at Wooddale Church, even though that was somewhat unknown and, and felt a little risky at the time. And, and I, was, I was just stressed about the decision. I, w- I was distressed about it. And honestly, I prayed some pretty distressed and, and quite frankly demanding prayers. Like, God, why don't you just tell me? And why, why this challenge? And why does this keep coming up? And just tell me. And, and God, I don't understand. John told me I wouldn't be a good pastor. So, you know, what am I supposed to do about this? And then I finally just stopped talking and I just started to listen. What I felt like the Lord told me was he said, Kyle, Kyle, Pastor John doesn't call people. I do. And by the way, John's words to you were filled with wisdom. You just didn't listen. What did he ask you? Well, he said, if I could do anything else in life, I should do it. Can you? Well, yeah, I've been building this career, and I think I can. No, I can't. Because I'm just not satisfied doing it. There's just, it's like an itch I can't scratch when I do this. And not out loud, but I'm just telling you, like in my spirit, I felt like the Lord just whispered to me, because I've called you to something else. And once I realized that I was called, listen, quitting the job and coming on staff here was like the easiest decision I could make. The reason I want to be your senior pastor 
is because I want to help you listen to Jesus. Because I believe that Jesus has things that he wants to communicate to us in the midst of our ordinary, routine, everyday life that will truly transform us. It will transform us as a church so we can be a transforming agent in our community. But listen, I believe it's going to transform you. Because when we truly listen to the very word of God, which is Scripture, and we sit, as Mary did, under the authority of Scripture, it's like God himself is speaking to us. And when we, when we take Scripture at its word and we sit under its authority and we listen to what God's Spirit is communicating to us, God wants to reveal some incredible things to us. I believe that God wants to talk to you about what it means to be a student about what it means to be a son or a daughter, about what it means to be a grandparent, about what it means to be a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife. I believe that God wants to communicate to you what it means to be an employee or what it means to be an employer who's following him. I believe that God wants to share with you things about you, and I believe, I am convinced that God wants to share with you things about him. He loves to share with us. That's why he's given us scripture. He just wants us to listen. So if you don't regularly have time where you sit with scripture every day and read it and then time to just listen to God's spirit speak to you, I want to invite you to make that a practice starting tomorrow. And if you're like, I can't figure out how to do that because my life is crazy and maybe next week I can just, then find seven minutes. Honestly, just find a place to start. Because God has so much to say to us. He just wants us to listen. Because when we do, We start to understand things that other people don't understand. We start, to, we start to realize what God is up to in this world, what God is up to in our lives, what God is up to in our families. And it will transform us. So the reason I want to be your senior pastor it's because I want to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. And I desperately want you to join me there. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't have much for you. But God in his word has so much. Let's listen together. Let me pray for us. Father, we are grateful for this story Father, we're grateful that you care about the epic moments of our lives. Father, we're grateful that you care about the everyday, routine, mundane moments. Lord, we uh, all struggle with what Martha struggled with. And Father, we live in a world that is Martha's world. And so, Father, there are many things right now that are distracting us, that are distressing to us. And Father, there are moments and times that we become very demanding about those things. 
And Lord, in the stillness of, of this space, we just, we come before you, Lord, and, and we just, with open hands, just say, hey, you know, Lord, you know. And so, Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit now with, with those things that are weighing on us to simply ask, God, what do you, what do you want us to know from your word about that situation? Father, what do you say to us about that burden that we're carrying? And then, Father, what would you have us do? Lord, help us to listen well with the confidence that you truly want to speak to us and the assurance that when we hear from you, Lord, we're going to be changed for the better and to become more like you and to live the life that you have set aside for us. So, Father, give us ears to hear, we pray. In your name, amen.